Hey, all you out there in the Stone Zone, you can now support this show on Patreon. Patreon.com slash TV's Kevin Lanigan. Support this show. Support the Puffin Publishing Podcast. Support the future of Doom to You. Support Total Party Chaos. Support all those projects I haven't even made yet. That's Patreon.com slash TV's Kevin Lanigan. I'll see you there. Hello and welcome to Can We Get Emma Stone to Listen to This, the podcast that aims to answer exactly that. I am your intrepid host, TV's Kevin Lanigan. No, it's not a sex thing. It's a challenge thing. When you see those people on the internet doing that that thing where you try to eat a scoop of cinnamon to prove that you could do it, they're not doing it because they thought that was a good idea. They're doing it for the love of the game. For your weekly Emma Stone update, again, no movement on the Stone front. But Emma, if you are listening, the phone lines are now open. I'm broadcasting to you live, not from my usual sound fort in Queens, New York. No, from my temporary home at the Missouri Fine Arts Academy, where I find myself each and every June helping shape the, the hearts and minds of this country's youth. Because if you ask me, children are our future. And I believe that in my whole heart, much like the hearts and minds that I am sculpting day in and day out. You know, it is seven 13-hour days a week, but we all have to make sacrifices for the greater good of planet Earth. And that's something I've always thought that I was very, very capable of. I'm going to be a bit of a short intro at the top of this. Don't have a lot of time between my many, many daily obligations, but... I'm going to leave you with a thought. I'm going to leave you. <laughs> I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to give unto you a thought. Um, and it, it stems from a conversation I was having with the director of the Missouri Fine Arts Academy the other day. Um, we were discussing the American television series Lost, uh, which I've recently been re-watching. And it is just remarkable. But it, it rendered unto me a piece of wisdom. Spoilers for a five-year-old television show. Um, in the sixth season of the show Lost, there is a concurrent timeline running positing um, what would happen if the characters never landed on the island at all. Um, and it turns out that they all became gynecologists. Like they all they all still interacted with each other. They were all still in Sydney, Australia, flying to Los Angeles, California. Nothing of that changed because of the, the, the lack of presence of a magical island. But it turns out if you were someone that was kind of important on the island, but not super important on the island, um, you just became a doctor or a cop um, so that you could have brief interactions with people that did indeed find their way Um to being important major characters on a television show, which, you know, if you're a doctor or a cop, sorry, on Lost, you're just not a major character. Kind of a way that Lost flips the traditional television script. That was actually something I heard that um, Damon Lindelof would always do in the writer's room when he was leading the 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 Mormon tabernacle choir of the Lost writer's room. Um his writers would turn in a script, say, for classic episodes like Some Like It, Hoth, or The Constant, um, and Damon Lindelof would take the printed script, and he would flip it, and it'd be like, now the episode goes in this order, 
and it was it led to some confusing television to be sure but i mean the guy's a genius what are you gonna do you can't fight progress but anyway yes the relative status of of all the minor to semi-minor um island characters on lost becoming gynecologists had me thinking about the importance of my life about about the important forward steps that i am taking and we all have to wonder are we a main character or are we a main character's gynecologist i'm worried it keeps me up at night as i wonder whether if things were different that i too would end up as some sort of gynecologist to a more important character are the are the steps are the actions that i'm taking to make the best of this one life that I am given? Am I making enough forward momentum to earn my spot as a protagonist and not someone that examines a protagonist's vagina? And that's just what I'm thinking about this morning. I really, really don't want to be a gynecologist. It's time for letters. This letter comes to us from Karen in South Carolina. Thank you, Karen. Uh, The letter reads, Dear TV's Kevin Lanigan, thank you for addressing me by my formal title, given to me by the queen of American television, Kaylee Cuoco. Um, And it says, Dear TV's Kevin Lanigan, love the show, longtime listener, first-time writer, um, was just curious, since you're such a big fan of Emma Stone, what did you think of La La Land? It's an interesting question. That's a good question. If I must be so bold, I did not see La La Land. I thought about it, certainly. Um, it came out in a tumultuous time in my life. Um, you know, we were, myself um, and my collaborators were busy finishing our web series, Doomed to You, currently available on YouTube.com. And um, I was also working on pushing out a giant-sized Puff and Publishing podcast, again, available on all the major podcast publishing platforms. Um, and we were also preparing for a live show, which was released just a few weeks after um, the release of La La Land, which is, again, our live show is available. Again, our live show is available on all the major podcast publishing platforms. And I I missed it. And then, certainly, as Oscar season progressed, but even from the get-go, La La Land was surrounded by all of this controversy. And I, and I wanted to make sure that I, if I was going to see a film, when I go to see a film, um, I, I think of it like attending church um, because really the cinema is my church. The cinema is my school. I could not afford to attend school as a young boy. Um, and so I went to the cinema looking for teachers. There were none, but I did, however, learn a lot of clever techniques um, from the Spy Kids, uh, from Jimmy Neutron. Those were my peers. Those were my classmates. And we attended the lectures of Joe Somebody, starring Tim Allen. Uh, we, we sat in awe at the parables of Brother Bear. Um, but I, want, I, I, I believe in clean noticing when I go to see a project. And there was simply no way to clean notice La La Land. There was all of this controversy about, you know, it being a film about someone trying to be a jazz musician, but there not being any people of color within the film. And then there was that story um, about these people. And you can look this up, people that went to go see La La Land, they were in the front row. And the screen 
fell down on top of them as if the film was like physically attacking them um is terrible and they were they were that nobody perished thank goodness a, a movie screen is not a heavy parchment but um certainly there were a lot of people perturbed and it, it became impossible to watch la la land after that point it was just mired in all this controversy there was another story i read about um the the film la la land gaining sentience and killing someone's grandmother um the the film la la land was struck there was a film print of the movie that was struck by lightning um and it gained life sort of like a like a frankenstein's monster um and it and it raised its mighty arms and it wandered through the streets and it was terrified of fire because as we know film stock is flammable go see inglorious bastards and this 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 promethean la la land went um i believe let me look it up real fast um to the house of one jenny steinbeck and barged through the front door while she was having a christmas dinner with her grandmother and it grabbed her grandmother by the throat slammed her down into the figgy pudding and suffocated her. And the film La La Land looked Jenny directly in the eyes and it said, you did this. Which, um, you know, given every eyewitness account, Jenny did not kill her grandmother. It was the film La La Land. But nonetheless, I'm sure that has not sat well with Jenny, um, especially during the Oscar season. Uh, that brief moment where... Um, the murderer of her grandmother won Best Picture, uh, only to have that very quickly taken away. So I'm sure Jenny felt pretty good about that. But uh, there was just no way to to clean notice, to take in the film in a pure way, which is how I believe cinema should be breathed in. So I've not seen La La Land, but uh, Karen, I will certainly write back to you when I have seen the film with my full review. We must die with some dignity. I shall resign the presidency effective at noon tomorrow. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. And then we're going to Washington, D.C. to take back the White House! Ah! Hello, this is Stuff That Happened. I'm TV's Kevin Lanigan. Today's show, it's the shots you don't take follow-up to last week's episode about the battle of the sexes. The battle of the sexes. That climactic battle between Billie Jean King and Bobby Riggs giving you the behind-the-scenes story that you're not going to get from anywhere else. If you remember from last week, we were discussing the God-proof shield that was placed over the roof of the tennis match so that God himself could not see the match that was unfolding below him. This week, we go more in-depth on that particular story, as it seemed like kind of a bizarre, outside-the-box kind of concept that didn't have a lot of follow-through on it. I've been managing sports for 40 years, and I can tell you the number one rule of being a professional sports businessman 
is you don't want God interfering with what you're doing. Because that guy, I mean, he's capable of anything. He can fire lightning from his hands. He can make it rain, which is the worst nightmare for a sports professional. He can cause tornadoes. He can make judgments about the fate of your eternal soul. No one wants their eternal soul to be judged by their performance in that particular tennis match. So that's why we erected that Godproof shield. More on that this week on Stuff That Happened. But first, a word from our sponsor. Tally-ho! Hail and well met. The sponsor of this week's episode of Stuff That Happened is the Pony Express. Back at its... One more again. We saw the prevalence of stamp ads across the podcasting world and decided that there was ample room for horse-drawn letter-carrying delivering uh, as well. At the Pony Express, we'll take your letter wherever it needs to go, only slower and more biotic. We drive around organic cars, or as you like to call them, horses, and we deliver your letter wherever it needs to go for the low, low price of ten times the amount you would normally pay to have it delivered by car. Because it's a luxury experience, you see. Sort of like walking around the park totally free. Being walked around the park by a horse, that's a little bit more money. It's a a similar exchange of goods and services. Welcome back. Um, As a radio producer, I know that in any creative endeavor, it takes a lot of people to pull off the end product, whatever it may be. Most of the great pieces of art you see were collaborative efforts and a godproof shield. It's no different. Hello, my name is um, Ted Geisel, no relation, and um, I was the lead designer on the Godproof Shield for the Battle of the Sexes. That's Ted Geisel, no relation, lead designer of the Godproof Shield for the Battle of the Sexes. I suppose um, the initial pitch was delivered to me by David R. Williams, the president of World Tennis Championship at that time, who wanted to have a tennis match in peace without the prying eye of everyone's nosy neighbor, God, and I understood that pretty well. So you had no problems building a shield that would keep out our Lord and Savior? Well, no ethical problems, but there were certainly some logistical problems. I mean, God can see through most metals, organic or otherwise, and we really had to had to think about how best to um, pull off this sort of technological marvel. And how was that achieved? Well, it took two months of careful construction and preparation to ensure that the Godproof shield was ready by the time. You know, I never watched Cake Boss and how he's like finishing cakes up until the very last second when it, when a cake would be finished. And, and you kind of start to suspect that Cake Boss maybe has some time management issues. Like maybe he needs to apply himself or maybe like, you know, make sort of a to-do list to make sure that like the frosting is going along and that you're like sauteing the cake or whatever. But no, as someone who, I, I was judging Cake Boss up until the moment that I myself had to undergo a big project with a due date. Um, and now I have a sort of an eternal affection for the cake boss and a lot of lot of professional respect. I know this is an audio program, so you cannot see the design of this particular godproof shield, so I'm gonna describe it for you. It is indeed a large saucer that covered up the opening, the famous Battle of the Sexes Tennis Stadium, then called the pre-Battle of the Sexes Tennis Stadium, indeed covering up all of the seats, all of the people, and particularly the court beneath it, and on the top is sort of a reflective mirror-like surface. The idea behind the mirror on top was that um when God would be looking down trying to judge us, he would only see himself, and it would get him to start thinking about some things in his own life, you know? You see it in, like, art gallery displays all the time, and I just wanted to give God that experience, because he probably doesn't get it too often. If you've never been in charge of a creative project before, you might not know that there are always unexpected consequences to your work, things that you could never possibly foresee coming, and, well, the mirror-like Godproof shield facing directly up at the sun 
is no different. Oh, we fucked air travel all to hell. I guess this is the time where I jump in to say if you're listening to this with children, there will be some foul language. I mean, we, oh god, we fucked it good. No less than 17 plane crashes of complete 100% fatality occurred because of what we were doing here. I gotta say, and the... You know, Godproof Shield was my idea. That one's on me. However, the mirror on top, that was all, um... Well, I don't, I don't remember that, that fella's name. But, uh, Terry? I'm gonna call him Terry. It was Terry's idea. He completely blinded anyone and anything passing over it. When we took the shield down, it was no longer reflective because of uh, it was covered stem to stern in dead birds. A bird would pass over it, gaze down into the most blinding, brilliant light they had ever seen and indeed will ever see, and were put down by, by their brains sort of melting inside the tiny bird skull. It was horrific. I... I've never stopped thinking about that bird-proof shield. I, I dream about it. I never stop thinking about that god-proof shield. It haunts my very dreams, day or otherwise. It's the worst mistake of my professional life. I don't know, Terry's just being a big baby about it. Terry, we're, I'm gonna keep going with Terry. There are consequences to everything we do. I mean, tennis is a dangerous business. Sports put human beings through hell for the sake of entertainment all the time. Football is responsible for ruining the brains, bodies, and lives of hundreds of thousands of people, and they have received little to no recompense for it. It's something they indeed actively tried to cover up, and so too do we cover up the fatality of our god shield. And, as you might expect, trying to hide from the view of God did indeed attract the ire of certain religious groups. Oh, dead no, you can't hide from the Lord. The Lord is the most powerful sight you'll ever done see. Boo! Boo! He has x-ray vision that can see through anything. Boo! Boo! God is an all-seeing being. Boo! Boo! He's an all-seeing being and an all-seeing being. You can't see him, but he can't see you. He violates that rule. He violates the unspoken, if I can't see you, you can't see me rule. He is the one flaunt of it. He's the exception that makes the rule, that dumb phrase that we've all heard ad nauseum for our entire lives. Boo, boo, boo God for violating that rule and thus causing it. Boo, I wish that rule weren't true, God. Why must you be so cruel? Boo! Boo! Well, you took a sort of left turn in Albuquerque there. Well, it's an unconditional love that I feel. And sometimes you just hate the people you love. And sometimes, like when my house burns down, or when my wife cheats on me, or when all my kids go missing, I kind of hate God sometimes. But that's okay, because I still love him in the end. And we hug at the end of the episode. Again, that seems just sort of inherently contradictory. Well, it ain't. And I, how many times do I got to tell you, it ain't self-contradictory. It's an unconditional marriage that God and I is in. So you believe you're married? Like sort of a third wheel to the marriage with your wife? No, I believe that God and I got married in a lovely ceremony in the Bahamas. I invited all my friends, but very few people could make it because, again, destination weddings can be costly. Uh, people got to go on their own vacations. I understand. We're not made of money. But it was a peaceful, lovely beachside ceremony. I was happy that my mom and my pa could be there. And uh, God and I exchanged our original vows, myself reading from a sheet of paper, and the beam of light that was then representing God 
was reading from 2 Corinthians. That sounds like a lovely ceremony. It truly was. I will never forget it so long as I done live or so long as I don't stare directly into that God-proof shield thus melting my brain. I suppose it's worth noting that the God-proof shield over the Battle of the Sexes Stadium is still shining bright to this day. Act two of our program today, Men at Work. This one focuses more strongly on one of the construction workers that made that Godproof shield possible. Hey, you know, I was just uh, doing my job. I'm a contractor. I, 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 in this business, you can't be choosy. You know, you're, you're in construction. You don't get a choice of job. You don't get to go wherever you want to do. You don't necessarily get to make the big, impactful buildings. You know, sometimes you gotta, you gotta take the job. Building sitcoms, building, you know, romantic restaurants for other people who are not you, who are lucky in love to, to eat in. Uh, you know, you don't always get a chance to, to express yourself creatively in this construction business. You know, you go out on construction auditions and it's this horrible dehumanizing cattle call process where you walk into a room and it's like 40 people that look exactly like you and you, you understand that it is an eight hour audition. So like how many people that look and sound and behave exactly like you have come through here and however are you going to stand out among those masses? It's a horribly dehumanizing process. But you know, you, you go out, you do the work, you get yourself a construction agent and eventually a great great job like building a godproof shield on top of a tennis stadium comes along you got to accept it that was jerry girder uh one of the construction workers responsible for the godproof shield who would play a surprisingly large role in the events to come yeah something that people don't generally know about the battle of the sexes is that bobby riggs didn't fight in it at all he he never actually stepped out onto that tennis court that's the voice of actor steve carell who's playing bobby riggs in the film version of battle of the sexes bobby riggs trained and shaved like crazy to prepare for that tennis match. It was all for nothing. It was the craziest thing I ever saw on the day before the big game, which again featured the entire stadium being burned to the ground. And I hope you'll do something to touch on that because no one has ever been brought to justice for it. And if you did like a serial kind of thing where you dove into the case more deeply, maybe they'd get some people to reconsider or maybe look at the case again with a new set of eyes after they heard it with a new set of ears. Anyway, yeah. Before the big match, Battle of the Sexes match, we instructed both Bobby and Billie Jean, who I would like to reiterate is not my lover, to not go visit the roof because there was a godproof shield on it that could permanently melt their brain. And you know, tennis players, we made the rules explicitly clear. We did not leave anything for for wandering minds to conjure up a loophole that says no i could go to the roof we did not want them to go to the roof no matter how fervently they insisted or no matter how many sexual favors bobby riggs offered unto me and i accepted them but i did not accept his terms and or allow him to climb onto the roof but you know tennis players they are insatiable in their love of climbing upon roofs. They just love the freedom. They spend so much of their lives on a ground-based tennis court that to be able to climb, to, to surmount God's creation and gaze down upon it from a higher plane, that is about the most thrilling thing in the world to a tennis player. And they take advantage of it at every opportunity they get. And on the night before the Battle of the Sexes, Bobby Riggs went up to the roof 
to perform a rain dance. He was terrified of the match to come. He was terrified of losing to a woman, and he was so terrified that he went up to the roof to try to get it to start raining so that the match could be avoided, so that he wouldn't have to compete, and if he didn't compete, he couldn't lose. Well, that seems like pretty foolproof reasoning. What went wrong? He did get it to start raining, but the Godproof shield protected the stadium from any sort of wetness. I mean, it rained all afternoon, but it remained bone dry inside the tennis stadium because of that shield. So not only was it Godproof, it was rainproof too. I've been under the impression for a long time that all baseball stadiums should implement some sort of Godproof shield as it will prevent any rain delay. It'll tank air travel. But what's that in the scheme of things? So the story, as we've been able to reconstruct it, Bobby Riggs goes up in the morning, does a performative rain dance, rains heavily from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Bobby Riggs goes out to the tennis court, hoping to find some sort of swampland, discovers instead a bone-dry, pristine tennis stadium, perfect for feminism, goes up to the roof to investigate what happened. Right as the clouds cleared, at high noon, he was staring directly into the glass. I'll never forget watching Bobby Riggs' brain melt out through his ears and a little bit through his nose. That's a sight that once you've seen it, you can't ever unsee. It's bone chilling, or more specifically, brain chilling, though his brains were very hot at the time, is my understanding. Why were you on the roof? Well, Bobby and I were in the middle of solving a murder investigation, and Bobby thought that he had solved the case. So he, he gave me a call not to tell me of the new evidence he had found, but to meet him at the crime scene, which was the roof, at high noon, where he would then reveal unto me the secrets, and we could put this unsolved murder case to rest. But as I exited the door, and I said, and I'll never forget what I said, I said, Bobby, you gotta tell me who murdered that man right now because if you die the case dies witches and as i was saying witches that is when bobby keeled over his brain melted and the case cold we were without a tennis star we were we were without anyone that could compete the match was tomorrow they were without anyone they were without any hope the world tennis championship was on the eve of the greatest most prestigious match in its history and its main selling point had his brain melted by a giant mirror. I mean, that's storytelling. That's what drew me to the script in the first place. So you went, you went through all that, that ball shaving, knowing that you nor Bobby Riggs would ever play any actual tennis? I'm a method actor. I'm committed to my craft. You know, I'm in this sort of late period of my career where I'm, where I'm putting on funny prosthetics and doing funny voices, uh, the, the big short, Foxcatcher, the way, way back. I call it my way, way forward period because it's what I'm gonna be doing forever. So what do you do when you're backed into a corner, when it looks like there's nowhere else to turn? You get a replacement. Yeah, I'd never played tennis before, but when the call came, I mean, who am I to turn down a job? I got kids. I got mouths to feed, including but not limited to my own. I gotta eat, that's a weakness of mine. We drafted, um, what was that construction fella's name? Tony? We're gonna go with Tony. Tony got drafted in the most unusual way I ever saw. I was on the tennis court grieving for my friend and primary moneymaker, Bobby Riggs. I was freaking, I was, let me tell y'all, I threw my hat to the ground and I threw me a hissy and I was picking up every ball on that court which was in shambles from the fire the previous day and I was whipping them hither and nither 
back and forth. I had tens of thousands of people that were going to be in that tennis center, the pre-battle of the sexes tennis center, in a few hours expecting the greatest tennis match of their lives. But I only had one woman. And let me tell you, I believe that women can play tennis. I don't believe that one woman can play tennis. I didn't know what to do. I was throwing balls hither and yon all across the court, and the ball boys were catching. The surviving ball boy, God bless his spirit, was grabbing them for me and bringing them back. So I had this sort of never-ending series of tennis balls once I could whip back and forth much like my hair at the time. And I whipped one up at the Godproof shield, the, the cause of much of my ire. And I said, curse you infernal machine. And I whipped the tennis ball up at the top. It was gonna hit Tony. I didn't even know he was up there. Yeah, I was going uh, through uh, this routine maintenance period. The shield needed to be adjusted slightly. God was getting wise to our efforts and it sort of adjusting his seating position to see around the large head in front of him in this particular amphitheater. Couldn't let God get wise to us, so we had to adjust the Godproof shield ever so slightly. And the mechanism for turning the shield was indeed a giant, comically large wrench. Tony, Tony, Tony turns around with that giant wrench and just whips the ball. Like a bat out of hell or a whore out of church, that ball tore ass across the tennis court, hitting me square in the eye, thus popping out my other one, giving me a sort of dual eye patch situation. I couldn't see nothing, but all I could see was opportunity. So the next day, the Battle of the Sexes took my place on the court. He was unnatural. To this day. God has never been able to see inside of that stadium because of the constant adjusting of the shield. Thank you for listening to this episode of Stuff Happened. This episode, like all episodes, is produced by Josh Mendelstein, who said something very interesting to me today on the way into the studio. I've been under the impression for a long time that all baseball stadiums should implement some sort of God-proof shield. We'll be back next week with more stories of stuff that happened. It's a bitter well, and your face every day it's a little sense When you soul away When you start giving in Where do the promises all go? Will your darkest hour and a blank check on your soul? Thank you for sitting in on another episode of Can We Get Emma Stone to listen to this, the podcast that aims to answer exactly that. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at TV's Kevin Lanigan, and you can check out my YouTube channel uh, where there's a few interesting little things, and I do a weekly video game stream. It's just my name, Kevin Lanigan, on the YouTube. Uh, you can follow the show at Can We Get This Pod on Twitter, and if you want your mail read live on the show, your real life letters, uh, write in can we get this pod at gmail.com. And now, our first Patreon donor shout out. Oh, yeah, it's me, Rolled Up. And I'm here to give a special little package to one Michael Peltz. Michael, thanks for donating to our Patreon. Oh, you make it so much easier to do this show. Oh, baby, I like it when you donate to patreon.com slash TV's Kevin Lanigan. Ooh, oh, thanks for becoming our first patron. Oh, you popped our Patreon cherry. Oh, first of many. Oh, an orgy of patrons. 
Patreon.com slash TV's Kevin Lanning. Well, there was no guest this week, just that beautiful stuff that happened segment. Going to take a little break now from the stuff that happens to focus on some other content in the lead up to Battle of the Sexes. But we will be back next week and we will send off this show as we send off every show with this brief sound clip of a Carly Rae Jepsen song, followed by me saying ass. This has been a Talk Back Podcast. I was a fool to think that everything would change after I'd watched my stories each week. My soaps are over, and there's nothing left now. Nothing but the long, cold hours until they air again. I thought it would be a good thing to finally be rid of them, to have my life back. And yet, what a life. Such a lonely existence without them. Sitting in dark cafes, brooding over cold coffee, staring while the column of ash on my cigarette withers to oblivion, waiting waiting. And then I found them. At last, the Soapy Madams podcast. They talk about British and American soap operas and soap opera tropes as well. It's a miracle. At last, I can feel 30 or 40 minutes of that cold, dark, silent time with the whimsical voices of the soapy madams. They have soap talk, guests, discussions of soaps from around the world, and games. Oh, so many games. You can find them on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or at soapymadams at podbean.com. Dare to dream Dare to listen. Dare to soap yourself into a lather on the Soapy Madams podcast. <laughs> hey, all you out there in the Stone Zone, you can now support this show on Patreon. Patreon.com slash TV's Kevin Lanigan. Support this show. Support the Puff and Publishing podcast. Support the future of Doom to You. Support Total Party Chaos. Support 
all those projects I haven't even made yet. That's patreon.com slash TV's Kevin Lanigan. I'll see you there.